0: I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real life hardship. And we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom. And that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her Podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her Podcast. Formerly known as the Owaka My Stilettos Podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Jermaine Morrison and Mandela are the hosts and dynamic duo behind the Black People Check-In Podcast, where they are stirring conversations on the Black experience, mental health, and pop culture. After the death of George Floyd in 2020, Mandela decided that a check-in with his Black community was necessary and started a series of Instagram Lives with Jermaine. It was at that point that the Black People Check-In Podcast was born. Mandela is a communication professional with a bachelor's degree in public relations. Since he was 16 years old, he's battled with severe anxiety and depression from traumatic events and struggled with the stigma of coping with his mental health challenges. As someone who grew up in a family of educators and active members of the Black community in Toronto, he's passionate about the upliftment of the diaspora. He lends his voice and opinions to causes that affect his people and current events. Jermaine Morrison has an impressive resume spanning nearly two decades. He's a registered social worker who has spent years supporting students in Toronto and men in the community. He is a passionate mental health advocate who supports adults and youth with anxiety, special needs, depression, poor self-esteem, and stress challenges. So please welcome to the show Jermaine and Mandela. <laughs>
1: Yay! Okay, I'm done. Bon bon.
2: bon. <laughs> oh man.
1: Really, it, man, really appreciate it.
0: I I just want to thank you both for agreeing to come on to the podcast and share your journey. You know to, to healing and wholeness and all that greatness. Um, you know, you guys recently had me as a guest on your podcast, and I love that. You know you your focus um, is on the the mental health and mental wellness of the black community. So we're definitely going to get there. um, But I just want to thank you both for your time, your energy and just the work that you were doing uh, with your
2: show. Oh, McKinney. Thank you. You're also sweet and (laughs) kind and wonderful. (laughs) We appreciate
1: it. Yeah. Honestly, honestly that having you on the show, uh, on our episode was one of the funnest things that we had so far, and honestly, for a person of your stature, we appreciate you.
0: my stature. listen, I'm just the girl next door, like
2: really life keeps life. me
0: humble, okay <laughs> 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 it's like no matter where you are in life, no matter how much you think you've attained, no matter how much. Success. Someone may see you have. I feel like maybe it's just me, but life keeps lifing, yeah, no <laughs> so worries. that keeps me humble.
1: <laughs> no, honestly, one hundred percent facts. So we're not disagreeing on that for sure. <laughs> life and my wife keeps me
2: humble. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it I'm a <laughs> okay, so before we get to where you guys are today and and how you got there, I'd love to understand a lot about the history and the mindset of who you were as a child because our childhood shapes us our childhood wounds, childhood traumas, all our childhood experiences shape us as adults so Before society kicked in and started to limit your beliefs or culture, or sometimes unnecessarily our guardians or our parents, I would love to know what you wanted to be as a child and what you were like as a teenager.
1: Mandela, you go first on this one.
2: Oh, Jesus. Okay. So (laughs) as a child, I was sick a lot. I have really bad asthma. still have asthma to this day, but it's not as bad as when I was sick, so I spent a lot of Time in and out of hospital. Shout out to Sick Kids Hospital in downtown Toronto. Um, I was I was a really shy kid. I was really wow. I know most people don't believe me. <laughs> um, I was fairly timid. I kind of stayed to myself. I was quiet, but I had a pretty good childhood. But both my parents were educators. They're still alive, but they're retired. Um, So they're educators. My mom is a principal, was a principal at the Toronto District School Board. And my dad was a special ed teacher, um, middle school, junior high. Um, And yeah, so that's what I was like as a kid. Really quiet, kind of reserved, was afraid of a lot of things, like a lot of things. But I did have a good sense of humor, apparently. As a teenager, I was very awkward. Kind of a nerd, still am. Actually, not kind of, was a big mom. Didn't really have a lot of friends in high school, but I knew a lot of people. Mm. I grew up kind of being bullied as a kid, which led to me getting into a lot of fights, um, being suspended every year since I moved to Mississauga up until the 11th grade. And wow. I moved to Mississauga in grade six. So, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, but I started school in Mississauga in the seventh grade. So I was commuting back and forth from Mississauga to Toronto. Yeah, so there was a lot of bullying. And one thing that started my mental health issues actually was wit- in high school, witnessing the death of my teacher at school. Wow. When I was 16. Yeah, he dropped out of a heart attack in the gym office.
0: Oh, goodness. He was
2: playing basketball with his students. And when we all rushed into the gym floor, he was literally dead on the floor, not moving, lights off, nobody home.
0: Wow. I'm so sorry you had to even experience that as a child. I can't even imagine how traumatizing that would be.
2: I didn't realize it at the time, but my dad had told me he remembers the day it happened, right? Um, my dad had told me I had called him at work. He was still teaching then, and he said my voice was just shaking the entire time. And I thought I was speaking normally, just telling him what happened. He's like, nope, you were not okay. When they came home from work that day, I was sitting on the front porch. I didn't go inside my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was definitely one of the most
0: traumatizing experiences of my
2: childhood
0: wow i am so sorry mm. wow That's okay. so we we're gonna we're gonna get back to that and unpack some of that but jermaine i would love to to hear you know what you wanted to be as a child and sure. what you were like as a teenager
1: so my childhood this actually might be breaking news to some because i don't even actually normally talk about i don't even actually sorry not only normally talk about it but I, Always don't get a chance to talk about this. So growing up as a child, uh, I grew up in a very religious Christian home. Love my parents and everything. Kind of was shelter as a kid and stuff. Growing up, I actually wanted to become—I <laughs> actually wanted to become a firefighter. Right? Okay. Mom shot that down. <laughs> so so then I decided, okay, let me see if I can try to be a, become a doctor. You know, and all that type of stuff. Now it's funny. Growing up, I was um, a very shy child, helpful, and all that type of stuff. But generally, I kept to myself. I had to say that I was bullied quite a bit. Um, Actually, I went through quite a bit of stuff. And again, this may probably be breaking news news to a lot of people. But, you know, I kind of went through issues where I was sexually molested uh, by uh, a caregiver. Uh, I was bullied a lot at school. And a lot of it really had to do with, you know, I was bullied because of my weight. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was kind of wild because... It kind of all started where, like, I was in the grade five French class in Scarborough, and mostly black school, and the kids were kind of giving the teachers a hard time, and I spoke up. Well, when I spoke up, everybody was on me, and they basically called me things like "tissue butt" and all that type of stuff. Like it oh, was, wow. it was my name pretty much following me throughout that whole school year, and so um, my self esteem took a pretty big hit needless to say i struggled with that and it was pretty much long lasting for a while like at one point i remember even when i moved out of that school and moved into a different neighborhood anyway i remember there were a number of times where sometimes i would look myself in the mirror i would try to like i didn't like how i looked like my view of myself was kind of skewed tried a few times to overeat and then induce vomiting so to speak you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and this is all like at the age of ten, wow, right? you know, growing up in high school didn't have a whole lot of friends. I think you know, I was known just because like of my musical talents. but generally speaking, like I grew up in a predominantly white school, and it was kind of weird because like I'm not not to say I hate white people or anything like that, but like I wasn't really too I wasn't too close with the white kids, um yeah at the same time. I wasn't Black enough for the Black kids, Mm. right? So I was kind of in that quandary um, having to kind of struggle through that and sort of like what my identity was. Like, I embrace Blackness 100%. Anybody ask me? Like, I am 100% like pro-Black. But it was really, really difficult when even your very own people at times didn't embrace you fully as a Black person, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of go through that. You know, when it came when it came to mental health, um, one of the things that I think drove me to it, and I know we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but one of the things that kind of drove me to it was kind of the realization that, especially for a lot of guys, a lot of men, we don't really talk about stuff and Lord knows we go through stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we really go through stuff, but Again, we have to present a very strong, very stout type of stature, but at the, at the end of the day, we're kind of killing ourselves inside, so to speak, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: and it's not like we have anywhere to go to, and that was kind of part of my struggle, uh, being able to even speak uh, about my not only just mental health, but just speak about like some of the things that I've gone through because mm-hmm. um, you know, you get looked funny for even talk about it. It's changed a lot nowadays, but if you're asking me how I got to this point, I will tell you uh, it was pretty much all these things kind of wrapped up to one that kind of led me on this path to, especially as a man, really speak up when it comes to mental health and issues surrounding it, you
0: know? Mm Wow. I mean, I'm I'm sorry you had to experience All of those things, you know, sexual abuse, eating disorder, not being accepted by your own community, um, all of those things, traumatizing.
2: Yeah.
0: I guess my question to you both is like, what did you learn about emotions growing up and how did it help or hurt you?
2: Jeez. (laughs) Um, It's over here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then my emotions, I did not know how to regulate them. Anger management was needed in middle school Mm -hmm. um uh, because i was not afraid to fight my bullies whatsoever so spent a lot of time in the office so it taught me i need to control my emotions Mm -hmm. and i still i'm working on that i do therapy now (laughs) we thank god for that we're
0: we're pro therapy on this show so yes
2: (laughs) um so I've learned to know when to pick my battles. Marriage has taught me that too, actually. Mm-hmm. Know when to pick your battles. To know not everything is an argument or a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's okay to feel your feelings. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. okay to you know be the emotional one, right? Because I was always the sensitive one, especially in my family, because I'm the baby.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: yeah, like, it's okay to talk about your feelings. And for so long, I just would never do it. Even in past relationships, yeah. I wouldn't always do it. Because if I did, I knew
1: I would be labeled as too sensitive. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, and it's it's a ever-evolving journey uh, where that has come from. But I think one of the things that has definitely been something that I have leaned into is the importance of being able to a find a safe space to talk through these things. Cause unfortunately, you know, we're still at a point where it's, it's important to talk about it, but you can't talk about it with everybody. Right. Right. Um, not everybody as much with all good intentions. They're not always a safe space. So um, being just aware of who, are the people within your life that will be that space uh, safe space to become vulnerable. Vulnerability is not a weakness, you know, contrary to a lot of these hyper-masculine, you know, type dudes out there. But even more so, and I think this this becomes uh, very apparent, nobody really talks about this much, but, you know, people have to be aware that sometimes when you go through traumatic stuff, if you don't seek help, if you don't at least talk about it, it will manifest into other negative behaviors. Yeah, There will be some sort of abuse, if not abuse to others, abuse to yourself. Now, when you see people that have like serious drug addictions or alcoholism, um, people physically abusing or verbally abusing, you know, um, you know, people that they know within their circle, all that type of stuff, like these are i would say for the most part a result of guys particularly guys not being able to appropriately express how they feel and appropriately talk about their uh, about their traumas
0: mhm uh, i agree uh, 1000% i feel like our present culture and society has conditioned men especially black men but men to not express their emotions they're expected to suppress their emotions and like you just said like it it seeps out and manifests in in other ways which are typically toxic whether it be to yourself or someone else you know i'm i'm in my own ways in my own home in my own circles trying to um enforce the narrative and belief that it's okay for men to cry, to show emotions, to be mm-hmm. vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I think one of the greatest things that I love about my partner now is he is totally emotionally available. And I'm going to say to me, because I don't know how he is to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, you know, our relationship is a safe space where he can openly share his emotions, his feelings, where he can cry and not f- feel judged or, you know, do any of those things. Yeah. And, and I recently had to say to my, my daughter's uh, partner Mm -hmm. You know, he was taught, you know, men don't cry. They're punks if they cry and all those Mm -hmm. things. And we've been talking to him more about emotions and feelings when he's here. And he had said something to me the other day about, you know, he was sharing a previous experience, how recently he Mm -hmm. was watching a show and found himself getting emotional. He's like, what is happening to me? (laughs) So when I, I was messaging about something, he's like, you just want to see me cry, don't you? And I was like, listen here, okay? I don't know what type of toxic narrative that
1: mm-hmm. you have
0: been shown or has been taught to you. But in my household, mm-hmm. a crying man is a good thing. It is a normal thing. It is a form of <laughs> expression. You are allowed to feel. You are a human being. Because if you
2: right. don't exactly. have feelings,
0: exactly. if you cannot show any form of emotion, you are a sociopath. <laughs> so That
2: is definitely sociopathic behavior." <laughs> Well, it's like, funny. It's and funny. I've actually known one in real life.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I've known a few.
1: <laughs> well, it's yeah. funny you should mention this because, like, I'll give you an, a, another illustration. So I always like to tell this story. Well, I like to, and I don't like to, but I always tell this story of an incident. Now, for people that know me, I work for the school board, right? And um, I remember one winter, um, morning recess, morning recess was just finishing. And I remember this little black boy, he was in grade two, right? So he was like like angry, like something was like, something happened and it bothered him, bothered him, right? So myself and uh, another teacher, he's a black man, right? Went up to him and asked him if he's okay. I, I cannot get this image out of my mind where you see a grade two black kid fighting not to cry. Mm-hmm. Like, like, actually take that in. Why is it that a a kid in grade two is fighting not to cry? You not know sure. you're upset. You yeah. know that you know something bothered you, and we're offering help, and yet you're doing everything you can to suppress those feelings, right? And 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 I get. Well, I'm not even say I'm gonna say I get that, but I also, but it also speaks to the fact that this boy for whatever reason, has been conditioned to toughen up at, at a very young age, mm-hmm. right? This is the part where, you know, for a lot of parents, learning well, even if they're at home, right, sometimes when you're teaching a child how to navigate through life, we're not putting in the balance of, listen, there's some things that you're going to have to be aware of, but at the same time, when you don't feel like you're, like, yourself and you're ready to cry or things like that it is actually okay as well you're not going to be judged on if you do so but it feels like it's going to be either like two extremes it's going to be one way or the other Mm -hmm. and i fear for that because again to your point um you know a lot of our black boys are coming around with very cold emotionless like emotionless like type of stature, like a type of attitude. And it's disturbing because, you know, like you go up to them, you don't know if they can smile or anything like that. It's hard mm-hmm. to talk to them. And then we're sitting here wondering, well, why are Black boys getting themselves into trouble? Well, let's look at what happened when they were a kid and let's start there. If we can't yeah. fix it, then it's going to be hard for them to, uh, to to break that stereotype when they go.
0: Even if you think about, the energy that it takes to not cry when you're trying to cry. Like, I know for me, I'm a crier. <laughs> I cry a lot. I'll admit it. And when I'm trying to hold that in and to hold it back, like, it hurts me physically. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, my body aches. <laughs> like, it's painful. It's, it's painful because you're holding on to that emotion. And our body is feeling it. And then it's storing that memory of that emotion and then... You know, stuff happens, so that's why I think I've just openly embraced crying. Like I, I've cried on this podcast. I cry watching commercials. I, I cry <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: commercials. <laughs> commercials. Commercials, cry? yeah, it's sad. you know what? I, I think I, I wrote a post on Facebook recently where I was like, every single episode, every single episode of The Good Doctor, I cry. Every episode of This Is Us, I cry. Mm-hmm. Um every time someone gets the golden buzzer on America's Got Talent, I cry. <laughs>
2: like, yeah. I'm a crier. You know what makes me cry? Those World Vision commercials with the kid with the fly. Oh my God. <laughs> because I get so upset. You know the fly is an actor,
1: right?
2: <laughs> so when I'm angry, I cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah, me too. But
2: Yeah, that's me too. Fun world vision,
1: (laughs) (laughs) because with the the big old protruding belly, fly, you know, coming out, out. (laughs) and the man in the cat. Yeah,
2: no.
0: So let's talk about how perception, especially even in the media, affects our thought pattern, especially as Black people, because. Those World Vision commercials, as a child growing up, seeing those commercials made me never want to travel to Africa. Yeah. I thought that that's what Africa was like. Poor, hungry Black people with flies pitching on their face and their nose running. So I had no desire to ever go to Africa. The motherland. Like, what? So then um, in 20, I think it was 2017 or 2016. I can't remember. um, I had the opportunity to go to to Cape Town and I was doing a book signing there. I had some media appearances there and stuff. And I didn't want to Google anything because I was afraid of what I would see. And I thought that it would limit me wanting to go and have that experience in Africa. And when I got to Africa, let me tell you, it was the most beautiful place I've ever been to in my entire life. Like it was almost like I had a spiritual experience when I landed like in the airport, the, the beauty of the environment, seeing the beautiful mountains on one side. And like, because of those commercials, not understanding, you know, th- they it's not like they're behind in times. Like, do you know what I mean? There is beautiful condos and up-to-date yeah. stuff, and then the ocean is on this side, and the mountains on th- like it was just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. But because of those perception from those commercials as a child, it was ingrained in my mind.
1: Shout out was- to Western. yeah. All I can say is shout out to Western society. You know, white supremacy. Listen, <laughs> listen, hold on.
2: <laughs> so here's the thing, right? I. I kind of explain it like this way: you have a plate of food, a delicious plate of food, right? You're with your partner. You know they like the food, but you taste it. You're like, nah, you don't want none of this. You don't like this, so you can eat it, right? But so that is basically what white media, Western media, Western governments Mm -hmm. do with Africa, because that's where all the the natural resources are, right? As Germaine said, it's literally white supremacy exactly yep. that is exactly what it is right mm-hmm. so you can't you can't um you can't really separate the two mm-hmm. and it sucks because world vision really does like to participate in a difference mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i'm not really what are they like a christian organization this is another thing i have about I'm not into the mission trips. I'm sorry to those that who are. Actually, I'm not sorry. I know, I know. To me, me mission trips is another form of colonialism. So that's it. <laughs> I'm, gonna,
1: I'm going to leave that alone for now. I mean, him and I will always disagree on certain things.
0: <laughs> not, <laughs> but I
1: understand where he's coming from, though.
0: <laughs> it's it's okay to agree to disagree. <laughs> like, and that's that's the beauty of being around people that have different perspectives. I feel like, okay, so I'm going to go down a bit of a different road than I want to right now because I've been given a lot of flack sometimes because I may not always fully agree, agree with the um, support black, this and black that all the time, because I feel like, yes, I'm black. Yes. I love my heritage, my community. But I feel like if we are around the same people all the time, especially if it's our own people, then we are circulating the same narratives. Right. Mm -hmm. So I prefer to have different experiences from all walks of life. And then I can bring them back and share them with the community because you don't want to be around yes men all the time. People who are constantly agreeing with you, even if we're wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we need to see different perspectives to have a more open mind.
1: I think you know what, and I and honestly I get it because we're we're part of a global society no matter what, right? I think for me, which I do agree with you in part. I think for me, there is something to be also said at the same time where it's like, okay, number one, I mean, when it comes to our black community, number one, we're not mo- we're not monolithic, right? At all. At all. Um, And I think sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot very badly when we don't realize that even as Black people and as a Black culture, there are so many different diverse aspects of it just globally, more than like some of the stuff that, again, Western society has done a very amicable job of really suppressing some of the stuff that we can actually experience globally. As black people, but that's a different. You mean part. trying to erase what? I mean, you know, tomato tomato. <laughs> okay. Right? Okay. Um, but the other part is, and 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 this is the part where I think this is my personal belief that shouldn't be lost. I think sometimes there is also the importance of sort of like taking care of your own family first, right? Because the reality is, is that I think for any community to grow strong, right? you still have to be able, both from an economics point of view, from a spiritual point of view, from a relational point of view, you want to take care of your own family first before it disseminates outside of that community. Because at the end of the day, you know, and you can look at the uh, the history of it as well. Like, you know, Black people get a lot of flack around the world for a lot of different stuff. Mm -hmm. And so there has to be a little bit of protectionism, I personally believe, where that is concerned. I do agree with you on the yeah. fact that, you know what, we can't just like, you know, it's not a bunch of yes men and all that type of stuff. Totally agree with you on that. Um, But that's why I'm like, okay, let me just deal with my family first and then may I deal with the rest of the people then before, you know, anything else. You know, that's, yeah. that was my approach to, to things like that. I Jermaine, totally get
2: flat for, sorry, <laughs> we get flat for simply existing. <laughs> like literally, It's not, yes, it's a bunch of stuff on top of existing, but first existing. So to your point in taking care of us first, Mm -hmm. all the other cultures do it, right? Whether you're Italian, Indian. um, Jewish
0: communities, Muslim communities, they all do
2: it, right? Asian.
1: They understand that concept incredibly well. Right, but you know the reason why? Because from the countries they're coming from, it's community-based first before it is, like, individual-based. Not to right. and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but the one thing about Western society, they preach independence. You mean and white society? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. All they do is preach, like, independence. So, for example, by the time you're 18 years old, you're out the house, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if you can do that now because nobody can find a house, but you're out the house by 18. In, in terms of places like in Africa or places like in Southeast Asia, the family comes in. The You'll see mounds of families living, like, two or three families in one house.
2: Mm-hmm. Listen, I saw the Sopranos, eh? Family first.
1: Right. And, that, and that's how they continue to make their uh, families grow. Because once the family is good, the neighborhood's good. Once mm-hmm. the neighborhood's good, the businesses and the schools are good. Once those things, those institutions are good, then they can pretty much dictate how <laughs> structurally things are going to happen. But let black people try that.
2: <laughs> Once. <laughs> even a little bit. Segregation. <laughs> we get books banned. Nope. We can't get an Afrocentric high school in the city of Toronto. We can't. Oh, God. Anyways. You know what? Sorry, it's know, like not you know
0: what so, well, okay. So, as... as... I guess as, as long as I've been an entrepreneur, my focus has been to think local, act global. Right. And, yes. you know, for the audience of the, sh- the, sh- the podcast, completely diverse. This week, uh, we have, uh, I think, the majority or um, more than 50% of our listeners um, this week are from the U.S. Then we have Canada, then Malaysia, then the U.K., then Turkey. And it changes all the time. Um, hey, everybody. So we've got we've got a couple audience. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. So we have the beauty of having different perspectives. Um, we have the beauty of having, I guess, even similarities within different communities. You know, mm-hmm. um, so there's so much beauty in that. But I, I also find, um, actually, I'm going to agree with you, Mandela. Where there's a lot of things that other cultures can easily do that we cannot. But before we make this a cultural conversation, I want to make sure like the, the base is about healing and as all people, how we can work towards that. Mm. So you spoke earlier, Jermaine, about safe space. Yep. And I know that, you know, the listeners here and all the guests here find the show to be a safe space where they can openly talk about their feelings and their emotions. But I know that for men and for black men, there isn't always a safe space to do that. So I would love to know, where do you both feel safest expressing your emotions?
2: Um, To be honest, Jermaine has created a safe space for me to be myself, especially when we talk, because it's not just podcast stuff. We're actually friends in real life outside the podcast, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? We actually like each other. Yep. You know what I mean? So, with that being said, like he has been an incredible friend, and I can be myself around him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't judge me. Obviously, he doesn't agree with everything I say, which is fine, yeah. right? But he at least tries to see where I'm coming from
1: mm-hmm.
2: on my tangents that I go on sometimes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, and honestly, I feel the same. I think. You know, one of the things that is is important, particularly as men and as Black men, is that there has to be more of us that can openly and bravely speak about our experiences and not be ashamed of it, right? This is how you help to tear down the stigma when it comes to mental health and, and even just seeking help for that, right? I would not have been where I've been had I not gone through the experience of as as I've gone through. And on top of it, recognize the importance of being able to ask for help. That's Mm. the hardest thing. I don't care. Most guys, it is the hardest thing to do to ask for help. Right. I'm staring in
2: Jamaican right now.
1: (laughs) interesting in jamaican right now
2: right
1: (laughs) but but it is the hardest thing to do and i think one of the things in In terms of just the healing journey for men it all starts with a being real about it right just be real with yourself be real with where you're at don't pretend to act like you can figure it out because unfortunately we from from since we're born, since we're born We've been conditioned to figure it out. Sorry, I get so passionate. (laughs) Uh, We've been conditioned to try to figure things out on our own. And that is not the way life works. We're human. Mm -hmm. You know, we we have been created by God to be relational. If we're living in isolation, not only are you destroying yourself, but potentially destroying others. Yep. So you need to connect back to that humanism or that human side of you and if you're not 100% if you're not 100 ask for help. And that's how we we need to to approach it from there.
0: I I love what what you both said. So Mandela when you talked about, you know, Jermaine being a safe space for you because one of the the pillars of resilience is having positive relationships, right? So being able to have someone where you feel safe, you know, where you feel seen, heard and understood. Um, where someone is listening and where they kind of validate, you know, what it is that you're saying or help you bounce your ideas or or feelings off of, which is a great point. And then Jermaine, to what you said about, you know, we're designed to be relational, like, totally agree with you. I, I say all the time, like, we're wired for connection, we need that. And without that, we could die. So there are not just men, but also many women that have a hard time asking for help. And I strongly believe that, you know, asking for help doesn't mean that you are weak. It helps you to maintain your strength. We all struggle with asking for help. Mm -hmm. What would your advice be to someone listening right now that is like, yeah, I, I can't ask for help. I don't, you know, whether it be pride, ego, whether it be their trauma response, whatever it is, someone who is struggling with asking for help. What's your advice to them?
2: Honestly, a lot of the most incompetent people in position of powers ask for help and get help. So don't feel no shame. No way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you any less than. Word. Um, you're not weak. You're not. You are not incompetent. But asking for help is okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like, especially with men, there is a lot of ego and pride that comes with asking for help. Oh, this person is going to think this because I can't get this done on my own. I still go through that, even at my job, because I just Mm -hmm. started a new job. And in my head, it's like, I don't need to ask for help for certain, certain things. But coming down to it, yes, my team is there to help support me, right? My manager is there to help support me. So it is okay. And without help, really, the world can't move. You can't get anything done. Yep. Nobody moves alone, even if they appear to
0: mm-hmm. move
2: alone, right? So I was just being funny with the position of the power thing. So I'm not calling you incompetent. <laughs> don't come <laughs> at me, y'all. Please do not come at me on <laughs> McKinney's good, good platform. Okay. I know, it. <laughs> you know, I, I will get also... a...
1: no, go No, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No,
2: I say I don't want to get no text from McKinney saying, Mandela, what did you do?
1: um you know i will say this um at first guys just be just be honest with where you're at right accept the things that have happened to you accept your weaknesses it's not a big deal it's a big deal but it's not a detrimental situation Mm -hmm. and also to be kind to yourself right just because you don't have it all together, just because you're struggling with some stuff, doesn't mean that you're less than. It's easy to feel that way because of how society uh, puts those expectations that men ought to do this, they need to get this and that and everything prepared. We get all that. It's still a struggle even after you've achieved it. But just be real with yourself, be kind to yourself. And then it's from there, you know, it'll be a bit of a journey because I, Lord knows when, um, Even as a therapist, I still had to seek a therapist, right?
0: And every good coach has a coach.
1: That's what I'm saying, right? It's okay to be on this journey. And when you find that person or those people that will help support you, and again, it doesn't have to be family or even those friends. Because let's just be real. You have people that will ride with you, but they can't speak that type of life into you. So you may have to... (laughs) Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> repeat that one more time boss you want me to that one more time all right so you do have people that do ride with you but some of them might not be able to speak that type of life into you right so it's okay to chart a different course for yourself in order for you to better yourself mm-hmm. so take that journey you know you'll be fine once you find them people or one or two you'll find that life in terms of your trajectory begins to improve when you have people that will allow you to be vulnerable in your, in that space and support you on your journey.
0: Listen, I love, you guys gave some great advice. I know that it'll be fruitful for both men and women listening, mm-hmm. but Mandela, you said something about, you know, feeling weakness. Mm-hmm. What situations lead you to feel weak as a man? I'm gonna say, quote unquote, week. Like, mm-hmm.
1: Wow. Okay. Therapist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we get um, intense
0: over here, okay?
2: <laughs> yeah, clearly. Fuck. <laughs> it's not even one o'clock yet. <laughs> um, okay. I'm gonna say, probably, if I'm having issues with my wife, mm. definitely something around marriage. Because I've felt that way before when me and my wife were going through like real life problems, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the real things, yo. I would definitely that. And I would say, you know what, since we're here, so two years ago, outed an abuser in my family. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jermaine, you were there for all of that.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: and the backlash definitely made me feel like i wasn't strong enough to ha- like i knew it was coming
1: mm-hmm.
2: but in that moment boy i didn't think i was going to make it mm-hmm. so i will i will tell you Jermaine was the one that helped me through all of that so thank mm-hmm. you wow you know well jermaine my way
1: <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate you bro no i appreciate you for real for real
0: yeah you better add that in there before you catch it later <laughs> You know, I've, I found that, um, and I don't know about other cultures, but I know in the black community, whenever Uh an abuser is outed, Uh it's Mm -hmm. always, it's always the person who speaks up and the victim that catches the most heat. I think as a culture, I don't know where that comes from, but it's like toxic as heck and it further victimizes the victim, and it makes other people not want to speak up because of the backlash that comes from that.
2: Mm. Well, It comes from patriarchy, number one, which is also tied to white supremacy, number two, um, which is also tied to religious beliefs, number three. So that's where that comes from, especially in the black community, Caribbean community. Um, You'll find that in a lot of religious countries, right? where it's the women that are usually bashed for doing the same thing that men are doing. So that's where that comes.
0: Mm.
2: Now, I'm not going to blame it all on religion because there's a lot of people that aren't religious that still hold the same beliefs, but really in our society that's where that all stems from, that type of belief system. Mm-hmm. But in terms of in terms of abuse, so I'll tell you something that happened in my story. When my the abuser did something in my house to a friend of mine.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: a woman was assaulted so many years ago, a friend of mine in my house by a family member of mine. And his brother came to my house to try and talk me down because I already went public with it. And he tried to be like, what the hell, take the post down. And he said to me, and I quote, I don't care what happened to her. I need to find out how to fix between you and my brother, how to fix the situation. Oh, wow. Mm. It doesn't matter what happened to her.
1: Yeah. And this is unfortunately um, not to cut, but this is definitely, unfortunately the type of stuff that always tends to happen, especially with women. It's almost like, well, they're the victims, but it's like, it's victim blaming. And
2: I was was in the house when it happened, Mm. and people still don't believe me. This abuser, to this day, is still abusing women. Our Twitter account got a message that he Mm. abused her not even a year after the post went up. Mm. An anonymous post. An anonymous user. Right? And there's still sides of my family that won't talk to me because of what I did. Mm.
0: You know... I'm going to try not to get emotional because I I told you guys, I'm a crier. (laughs) So this morning I was interviewed by TVO for a a segment on a previous situation of narc abuse that I experienced. Mm. And I had also shared this morning in that interview, it'll probably be out by the time this podcast episode comes out, but it's like culture in general, no matter what race, continues to victimize the victims. They discredit the victims. They don't care what happens. They want to, you know, place blame. And instead of addressing the behavior of the abuser, they want to silence the person who is speaking out. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the abuser gets to continue abusing other people when the person who is speaking out is trying to make a change and prevent other people from having that experience. And I yep. have up until what, two weeks ago, had people reach out to me because my past abuser is basically still trying to manipulate women out here and financially okay. abuse and psychologically abuse, and they're getting away with it. And now yeah. because I've spoken out about it on multiple occasions, not only just on the podcast, but you know, on social and so on, they are sharing those episodes with this person to try and educate them. But because the abuser has now gone on a smear campaign to paint the narrative that I'm crazy, to discredit anyone from believing my story. It's like there's this vicious cycle that continues to happen when someone is abused. And I don't know how we're going to stop it, but I know that I will never stop openly speaking about my experiences, regardless of the consequences, regardless of the backlash, regardless of the people who want to stop talking to me. And I, I know that it's not easy, And I get triggered every time I have to talk about it, but it's not easy for other women to do the same. But my hope is that anyone who is ever abused or ever questioning whether or not they should speak up about abuse thinks about, if they don't, who they are protecting and who they are hurting.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. because this same abuser, who works in the community, by the way, who is a, a mentor to young Black men just getting out of the prison system, He's been going around telling people that I'm the crazy one. I'm the jealous one to this day, right? And not to believe.
0: Well, so this is now. I'm like getting upset because it's almost like people who are in these positions to influence other people are mm-hmm. the ones that are the abusers. Because my yep. past abuser was a former correctional officer.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's um. He's done. You know, talks. He's been on television and he's the people that are that refuse to talk to me in my family he's abused them too and they're still taking up for him right so i well, don't know
0: i guess you know what that 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 could be like a whole another episode that we can unpack one day and do a, a part 2 um let me this? but i but I, I guess before we um end the show and go to the final segment my my question to you both is how do you define what it means to be a man
2: what, what? Jermaine? what? Jesus. you know what jesus. i had the i had the the last higher question jesus. this one is all yours to start jesus <laughs> uncle <laughs>
1: I'm, no, I'm, I'm not even gonna lie sometimes uh, uh, sometimes it's kind of hard to even ask that question because i mean quote-unquote being a man has sort of like evolved into so many different directions i think one of the most important things though even as i as a man are trying to reflect on what that means being a man doesn't really involve anything physical strength wise I think one of the most important things as a man and being, especially being a good man, right? Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that you are strong in terms of your convictions, right? Okay. At least people know where you stand. Mm-hmm. Never put yourself in the situation where you're kind of flip-flopping either because you don't know what you want or you're trying to manipulate to get what you want. That's not what being a man is. Let's let's stop it there. People need to know where you stand. Mm -hmm. People need to know where your values are. It's through that, then that's how you know how to walk through life. And also another thing, you know, being a man is also in its totality, just really embracing. And again, uh, I'm saying this from a standpoint of like, if you're gonna take on the role of a man, quote unquote. Accept both your strengths and also embrace your weaknesses. Never be ashamed of that. Because at the end of the day, men, truly, truly good men, understand who they are within themselves. They're not perfect. But when you are strong in terms of your values and your convictions, you know what I mean? You also will understand that, you know what, I have weaknesses and I'm working through it. And as long as I work through it, you're fine. Anything apart from that, I would question the quote unquote manhood just because of the fact that you can easily turn on a dime as no good for anybody. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's my thing.
0: Thank you, Jermaine. Thank you.
2: (laughs) 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 We got news faster, Jermaine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: I feel like there are so many questions. That I would love to ask you guys, but not only do I want to respect your time, but I just realized, like you know, with the show we get to talking and mm-hmm. time's gone, and I'm like, oh wait, wait, where did the time go? <laughs> so before we go to the the final segment with the rapid fire, I want you guys to not only tell the people where they could stay connected with you online, but I want you to tell them more about the Black People Check In podcast and the intention behind it.
2: So you can find us online. At Black People Check-In Twitter and Instagram Black PPL Check-In Again Black PPL Check-In Or if you would like us to speak Talk to your people Talk to your students mm-hmm. Tell you about yourselves Email us at Black People Check-In at gmail.com Black People Check-In Full Spelling at gmail.com Right You can find Uncle Germs A.K.A. Somebody's Fiance Yep at- <laughs> germs j-e-r-m-s 394 sorry ladies he's taken on instagram and twitter if hold you on want to...
1: uh-huh. wait wait don't forget tiktok which is at mr car talk as well on tiktok as well
2: at mr car talk because he has the time space and patience to be doing his... four minute videos for y'all in his car <laughs> i do not have this time <laughs> But Jermaine is the eloquent, thoughtful one. Oh, I'm thoughtful too, I guess. No, 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 no. You're eloquent, sir. You're eloquent, sir. You are. I, you know what? I am. I just cuss a lot. I get it. That's okay. <laughs> but to answer McKinney's other question directly, Black People Check-In is a podcast specific, rooted in Black mental health mm-hmm. um, and Black culture, but yep. the root is Black mental health. We started in 2020 after the murder of George Floyd. I didn't know what the hell to do. I was angry. I was tired of writing Facebook posts about anti-black racism all the time, yet nothing was happening. So I'm like, you know what? Let me check on my people. Started an Instagram live. Jermaine yep. and I barely knew each other at this point. Although we, we met on a... and took... part me.
1: We met at a funeral. We did meet at a funeral. We did.
2: <laughs> we started the Instagram live. Talked for two hours straight. And we started doing it weekly, and it became a podcast. And we had the lovely McKinney Simit, Simit on our show. Simit, you gotta say it the Jamaican way. Yeah. So Turkey, US, England, all of the white people that are in Europe, you have to say it, Simit, mm. not Smith. Sorry, Brit. Yeah. Sorry, Brits. It's not
1: Smith. It's Simit. Yes. <laughs> Although there's um, ja- obviously, there's Jamaicans in Britain, so they, they they understand. There's a lot of Jamaicans in Britain. Oh, Hello, nice.
2: or Windrush generation. Yes. Google
1: it. Go ahead. Go
2: ahead. <laughs> She's like, what the hell did I do with this? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's how we started. And what we hope to do is just to, especially amongst Black men, even though women are the majority of our listeners. Yes. But Black people. We want to end the stigma of mental health in our community, which is why we present our podcast in the way we do, which is why we talk how we talk on our podcast. It's really a way for our listeners to feel a sense of community. And and be like, yo, and safety. And be like, yo, this is a cool thing to listen to. Like, Mm -hmm. we need to get their streams up to like 2 million a year. So Chair. Like share the podcast yep. thanks it's
0: definitely needed and a valuable space so i think anyone who is listening here go and subscribe to the black people check-in podcast you know message mandela and Jermaine and let them know about the great work that they're doing in the community because we need more safe spaces uh, yeah, we need yeah. more spaces where we feel comfortable where we feel seen heard and understood the final segment of the podcast, um, it's really where I just ask a couple quick reflection questions and you um, answer one word or one sentence. Yep. Um, I don't really like to put people in a box because I don't like to be put in a box. I'm claustrophobic. So if you feel that you want to expand, <laughs> feel free to do so. All
1: right, let's do this.
0: Okay. Let's start with what's the first thing you do in the morning and the last thing you do at night.
1: Hug my wife, check my phone, kiss my daughter. I think in my case, I'll either Pray or and or talk to my fiance at night. Check my phone, and I usually fall asleep to music in the background.
2: Okay, um... and I bathe
1: and I brush. Bathe, my teeth. bathe, 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 bathe.
2: We had a whole pandemic around this. People wash your hand, brush your teeth, and bathe.
1: Yes, <laughs> whole, or at least koala fresh, koala fresh. Please, white people, Google it. As you were saying.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: When was the last time you cried? Ooh. Ooh.
1: <laughs> last month or this
2: one? One of
1: them. I know some tears were coming down. Maybe, you know what? Saturday? You know, yes, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Uh, sorry, for those that don't know, Saturday was when I officially proposed to my fiances Yes, <laughs> my,
2: fiance.
1: <laughs> my official fiance. I
2: love it. Okay, let's go. <laughs> the,
1: I love the, it, I love it. Day it. Day was, sorry, go ahead.
0: um okay what impact do you want to have
2: on the world i want to shake up the motherfucking world shake it up earthquake
1: Uh, uh, honestly for me i just want to just make sure that in in terms of impact that like my community is good in terms of their mental health both you youth men women you know it's important that we're in the right space before anything else
2: Mm -hmm. We we have to know that I just want people to know that black love is revolutionary. And so I'm talking (laughs) about black mental health, right? And so is loving black women. But I understand that Netflix dating shows don't get that. But
1: anyways. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out to Kwame. Anyways. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Um, What failure has taught you the most about life?
2: Oof. That you will get back up.
1: That is okay, but to mendel's point is it's not about if you fail, is what you do after you when you fail.
2: Yeah. Toronto Rockers, are you listening? Anyways, <laughs> let's continue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you could create one law that everyone in the world had to follow, what would that be?
2: unless you intend to amplify and respect it leave black
1: shit alone i will echo it but not in those vulgar words <laughs> in my okay i'm nothing
2: because i might not fiance now <laughs>
1: my, my not fiance. so all right let me just leave that alone
2: so you're not gonna answer <laughs> oh
1: no you know what to be honest with you, like other than that like i that's a very good question i'm I wouldn't be able to think that through with these rapid questions. So, okay, yeah. I'll, okay. I'll pass on that one.
0: Okay. Last but not least, what advice would you give your future self?
2: My future
0: self. Yep.
2: Future. I know
0: people are used to like what advice would you give your younger self? No, that's easy. <laughs> what advice would you give
2: your future self? Keep trying. Keep having McKinney on the Black People Checking Podcast <laughs> episode. Um, episode. Yep. Keep holding down your wife and your daughter and your dog. And in the words of John Cena, never give up. (laughs) And health is wealth. Yes. Only fans body loading.
1: Same. (laughs) You know what? Advice to give my future self. Uh, There's a reason why you're in this position. And it only goes up from here. Make sure that whatever good or bad get from this just trust in in god and he'll kind of take care of the rest and finally to like mandela's point the people that are in your life they're there for a reason Mm. so ride with that and you'll be fine
0: wow thank you both jermaine and mandela for everything that you shared today for your transparency your vulnerability uh your wisdom and your strength I do not take your time lightly, and I truly, truly appreciate you. And I feel like it's not every day I'm so on a regular. I'm able to have these conversations with women, but it's not every day that men are as open to having these deep, therapeutic type conversations. So, thank you both.
1: Honestly, McKinney, thank you for having us. Um, it was fun. Hopefully, <laughs> we can do this again. Hon-
2: Listen, McKinney. You're awesome. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Number one. Number two, thank you for doing the work that you do. Amen. Especially with this platform that you have created and cultivated and mm-hmm. sown yep. and grew up from yes. like a seed
1: mm-hmm. to the tree. Right. Mm. Right? From the root to the fruit. Yes. From yes. the
2: root to the fruit. <laughs> <Yes>. Bars. <laughs> Black people checking the album coming soon. Um, <laughs> so thank you we appreciate you we see you we love you we hear you and if there's anything that we can do to help you in any way shape or form call at
0: us likewise i mean if i could be of value to anything that you were doing uh with your community and your platform like i am totally here
1: appreciate it appreciate you (laughs)
0: And to all you healers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms. Don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple podcast. And we want to hear from you. We want to hear what resonated with you. You know, what did Jermaine and Mandela say that struck a chord with you? Um, What did you agree with, disagree with? We want to hear from you. So you can feel free to screenshot this week's episode. You can tag them at black people check in. That's black ppl check in you can tag myself at the real McKinney smith and i want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week to help the show globally rank in the top 1.5 percent of most popular shows out of over 3 million podcasts mind-blowing to the little introvert doing this from like inside of her house <laughs> uh, so i just want to thank every one of you and a healthy community is a healing community and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather survive and thrive so let's continue to heal her <laughs>